Hello, and welcome to the Albuquerque Three Angels SDA Church Sabbath School Podcast, presented from the Three Angels Studio right here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Good morning. We want to welcome all those that are continuing to follow along with us as we go through this uh, the Sabbath School. Our, we're on lesson number eight for November 18th through the 24th. Um, I'm Robert Noah. I'm joined by Nick Boucher. Nick Boucher. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and just read our memory text, and then I will open our study together with an opening prayer. And our memory verse for this week's lesson is from Matthew chapter 25, verse 40. And it says, And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And if you'll bow your heads with me. Father, once again, as we employ, implore your wisdom as we open your word this morning, Lord, we ask that we will take this lesson to heart, that we will... Uh, that you will give us your eyes that we may see the world as you see it, that we will see need as you see it, and that you will put a burden on our heart that we may more fully reflect your character, that we will be true to our obligation to lift you up before all men. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so this week is called Mission to the Needy. And let's go ahead and read the opening for this uh, this week, and it says in Luke 5, 17 through 26, provides many illustrations of how God is helping those in need. Sometimes God uses others to help us, or he uses us to help others. This work can be challenging, but it brings great rewards. By helping those in need, we are modeling the ministry of Jesus Christ. Sometimes it is easy to tell who is in need of help. At other times, it is difficult to know. Whatever the situation, we are called to be God's helpers for all people in need, regardless of their background. The Bible encourages us to draw close to strangers and be winning their confidence. We can learn better ways of helping them find Jesus. In this week's lesson, our topic, Mission to the Needy, shows that God has a plan to reach those who might be needy in, many, in any number of ways. Their needs might be physical, emotional, financial, or even social. That is, some might be deemed as outcasts from their community or family. Whatever the needs are, we must be ready to do what we can to help. This is a central part of what it means to be a Christian and what mission must include. Well, yeah, if you, I mean, if it's a mission, I mean, you're out to meet people's needs. In Christ's example, you know, he met their physical needs or whatever, you know, whatever needs were immediate, which made them open to the gospel that he was preaching. Yeah. You know, so um, this ministry to the needy, and once again, you know, whatever the need is, but for the person in need, that is where their mind is, that's where their heart is, that's where their focus is. I need to take care of this now. Yes. And if so, if you try to do that in the reverse order, they're not hearing what you have to say because they still have this need that must be met. So I think this is a, um, an important lesson for us to, to learn and follow to, because Jesus did it that way because that's how it's most effective. Yeah. And I think a good, a, a very good idea of what, Jesus was doing too was, you know, when he was asked by the Pharisees, why are you dining with, you know, publicans and sinners? He goes, well, like a physician, you don't go and cure the healthy. Right. You go to those that are sick, those right. that are in need, that are hurting. Those are the people you go help take care of. But his point was that everybody needs, but he's going to those that recognize their need. Yeah. You know, um, because he, he said, you know, I didn't come to bring the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Well, there were no, they, even though they thought they were righteous, you know, they weren't. And yeah. <laughs> it was, and when you look at it, you know, righteousness, kind of what it says, you know, here in the, in that opening, you know, 
righteousness, the word righteousness means doing the right thing simply because it's the right thing to do, yeah. not with the expectation of reward or, you know, for clout or any, <laughs> any other reason than this is the right thing to do. So that's what I'm going to do because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's, it's tough because I, as I was reading through this week, it, there's a lot of different areas that, you know, it's, it's hard for us to step out of our comfort zone because that's really what this is asking right. you to do. It's to step out of that comfort zone, to step into something that you may not feel fully prepared for because you're not going to know every need. You're not going to know every issue. You're not going to know exactly how to handle it. But, you know, you look at the example that Jesus gave us. It was go in it with an open heart and open mind and, do it because you love the person that you want to help them. Well, last week we ended uh, talking about the Good Samaritan. Yeah, and this that kind of leads perfectly into this because it was. I mean, we talked about the um, the contention between the Samaritans and the Jews, and you can go back into the Old Testament and see what where all that started and and what caused it um but you know it was a jewish man that was robbed and wo- mugged and wounded and the the priest passed him by the pharisee passed him by and then it was the samaritan that saw a man battered and in need and even though this was socially his enemy he saw a person, all he saw was a person in need yeah. and he went and attended to it, you know, and went above and beyond because, you know, he found a place where he would be taken care of and paid in advance and then said, you know, if there's anything else uh, that charged above that, when I come back through, I'll take care of that also. Yeah. And it's, you know, the Good Samaritan uh, parable is actually really good. I I think it really outlines for a lot of us that, you know, we have these blinders on to the things around us and, you know, pre preconceived notions. Like, we'll see somebody on the street that uh, that's homeless, for instance. And, you know, I'm guilty of this, too. I, I think We all are. You know, it's, you look at that person and you go, well... They did it to themselves. They put themselves in that situation. But we never talk to the person. We don't know what actually happened. We just have that preconceived notion. And in a lot of cases, we are like that Pharisee. We are like that priest, you know. And, but I think it it's not even always that mentality. Because, I mean, I've been homeless multiple times. And, um, but sometimes, especially nowadays, that they're you see so many where it's fraudulent, you know, or they're not actually even ho- homeless. They just don't want to work. Yeah. And then there's so many that you know you see playing the sympathy card. Oh, you know, my wife's sick, my kids are sick, or homeless veteran. Where and then yeah. th- you know, with you and I specifically, that strikes a nerve because we w- we're sympathetic towards veterans, but then there's also the stolen valor where, you know, you have people claiming to be veterans and they've never served. Nope. They're just playing that sympathy card. And so, you know, there's so much mistrust, you know, and so as we go through, we're going to, you know, talk about, you know, how to, you know, how to lose those blinders and how to um, see the need. And if you, you do see somebody, you can, throw up a quick prayer and God will impress you on the best way to help somebody. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very, you know, very rarely do I carry cash, but when I, I, there's times where I've been impressed to give somebody money. There's been times where I've been impressed to buy somebody a meal and there's been impressed where I've reached down and grabbed my jacket and handed it to somebody because that was what I was impressed to do. And, you know, so let the Holy spirit tell you what their, their need really is. Mm -hmm. And it, it, I want to look at this next uh, 
next part in here. Yeah, this this is probably like one of my favorite uh, instances that happened. That you know, the the paraplegic. Yeah, I mean the just the sheer, I guess the the sheer actions that these individuals took on behalf of their friend. You know, it's it's actually really moving. You know, we all wish we had friends that would move mountains for you. And this is what these guys did. The, in this, you got to, I think you want to put yourself in both positions. We want to have those friends, but we want to be those friends. Exactly. You know, <laughs> one, of, one of the things that, um, you know, I, you and I have talked, you know, kind of about my past and where I was mentally, emotionally, you know, a long time ago. And when I was trying to come out of that and, and, Yes, somebody, and I know it was a quote from, I don't know where it originated, but somebody said, be the friend you would want to have. And that's, you know, I think with the Good Samaritan and with this instance, you know, that's why I said you got to put yourself in both places. Yeah. (laughs) Are you that friend? And do you have that friend that will do anything to bring you to Jesus' feet? Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's crucial, you know, it's to wanting to be that person that only, you know, is that good friend, but also to have, like you said, to have those people around you that are like that. You know, it's... Because, I mean, it doesn't just mean, you know, I mean, this was an actual instance. This was an actual miracle that Jesus healed this person, but he also forgave his sins, you know. <laughs> Do you have that friend and um, I don't know if I mentioned it in my sermon here or if I mentioned it in my sermon over at East Mountains but uh, there was a when I was living a, a much uh, different life when I would talk to my father he was that person he would point me to Jesus even at the point of offending me to the where I wouldn't talk to him anymore He's like, I knew it was, uh, there was a chance that you were going to completely reject and you wouldn't, uh, you would never speak to me again, but I had to lead you to Jesus. Do, do we have that friend that even, you know, nowadays we've talked about this on and on and on and on, but in society, everybody's offended over everything. Yeah. You know, and, but are you willing to offend somebody to lay them at Jesus' feet. Well, sometimes, you know, one thing I've noticed, too, is a lot of people are, are scared of the truth. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's honestly the biggest reason I think a lot of people push back on someone who's, like, saying, hey, have, have you prayed? You know, have you heard about, you know, salvation? Have you heard that, you know, you are forgiven, that you are, you know, you are special, you are important to somebody? You know, a lot of people don't want to hear that. They want to stay in their own little bubble because they're afraid of the truth. And we talked about this before, I think, in last quarter when it came to, you know, recognizing that, you know, you have issues, you have problems, mm-hmm. but there are solutions to them. You don't have to stay in that bubble that you're trapped in. Exactly. You know, and sometimes, you know, a good friend will tell you flat out, hey, I think you're messing up. You know, that's a good friend. When if it's, it's hard to be that person. Yeah. You know, and you and I are elders in the church, and that's part of our position. And it must be done in love, and it must be done. Uh, I we've talked about that also. You know, um, there is a spiritual gift. You know, that for that specific, and if you don't have it, you should not pursue those yeah. actions. <laughs> you know, and, and that's why in one of my sermons I said, you know, look around at the the church. You know, look at all the empty pews, and I'm going to ask two questions. Number one, what are you doing to fill those? But the question that's really going to hit home is what did you do to cause them? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It, it, there's there's also a level of responsibility. Right. You know, and not not just being a friend, but also not being a friend. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's like a double-edged sword, like – you know, I've had friends before that if you told them that they were doing something wrong, they'd stop talking to you mm-hmm. just because, you know, they like what they're doing. 
but you were the true friend. You honest. Yeah. Honesty is important. But you can't expect that just being honest all the time and, you know, telling them is going to be, you know, it's not going to come with, you know, they're not going to always receive it, but you still have to be that person. Yeah. And And that that's integrity. No, yeah. It's, it's, it's a very fine balance you have to find in how you do it. Right. Because again, you know, when you're telling somebody the truth, especially if you're trying to introduce somebody to, to the gospel, you're trying to introduce them to Jesus. Right. You know, you have to, you have to tell them the truth, but you have to do it in a way that they can understand and accept it. Right. Um, as that's not the time to be offending. The um, I'm I'm talking in, in the case of somebody that is already has knowledge of the truth. Yeah. And you you know, there's a, a, a rebuke that must be made. That must also be done in love, but I'm going to tell you more blatantly because you know, and it's, this is just a reminder. I mean, Jesus himself says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, mm-hmm. you know, and you've seen me, you know, Je- <laughs> Jesus loves me a lot, you know, because uh, I get rebuked and chastened uh, <clears throat> more than my share. Well, actually, not more than my share, but more than I'd like. Yeah, typically it's from the spouse, you know. <laughs> now, but it, it's what I've been reading throughout this lesson this week is that, you know, it's going to be challenging. It's going to be tough. It's not going to be an easy process, you know. Whereas, like last week, where you're talking to your neighbor, your friends, people that you know, you know, here it's asking you to go beyond just somebody you know, but looking at, you know, what. What are their needs? How are you fulfilling those needs? You know, right. how are you helping to to correct things if they need to be corrected or to help point out things because like we were talking, people are blind to themselves, but if somebody points it out, you know, it's kind of a wake up call. You know, here what I really liked about the para, paraplegic or the paralytic is that, you know, his his need was seen, you know, it was visible, but there was also those underlying needs that you couldn't see that Jesus recognized when he saw him. When you read this in desire of ages, it talks about that. You know, when Jesus looked at him, he knew, I obviously his physical affliction, the obvious, but he could, but Jesus could see into his heart and know that it was the man's past that was tormenting him. You know, it was his sins that were were tormenting him. That was even more than he wanted to walk. He wanted to know that he was right with God. Yeah. And uh, by uh, no coincidence, you know, because further in the lessons, it's going to talk about, you know, uh, Jesus, you know, meeting people where they are. But Jesus always strategically placed himself for a specific reason. Yeah. You know, whether it was the woman with the issue, you know, the bleeding issue, there was, uh, er, they were divine appointments. The, the lady at the well, you know, uh, all these, he, Jesus went there when he went there for a purpose. You know, he knew this was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but, you know, fortunately his friends were able to uh, bring him to the one who could take care of both issues. Yeah. And the next lesson in here though, a lot of this here is stuff that Ellen G. White pointed out, you know, the five, the five step process of Jesus method and how to minister, especially to those in need. You know, I like how it lays it out. You know, it says, first, we must mingle with the helpless, spend time getting to know them and understand their needs with the intention of doing good for them. You know, but all I, the very next thing, Jesus has a thing with people that are paralyzed. If you read through scripture, there's a lot of that because there is things holding these people back from being able to walk. Right. And it says, look at what Jesus did with the paralytic at the pool. Jesus was right there amid the great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And that's in John 5, 3. And it's something that, 
you know, if you look throughout Jesus's life, as you said a minute ago, he puts himself in those areas where he knows the need is there. Just and a lot of times just to listen. Mm-hmm. And the effects of just listening is very important. A lot of people I know that have had issues or struggled. A lot of them are afraid to do anything because they were afraid people wouldn't listen and wouldn't, and wouldn't care to listen. And I've, I've found that throughout my life, just listening to somebody, not saying a word, not doing anything, but just letting that ear is like one of the biggest steps you can take in helping somebody because now they're being heard They're They feel like they're being validated. And when we look at Jesus and the times that he was with people, you know, he listened to the needs. He listened to what was going on in their lives. He allowed them to speak. And then as soon as he had an idea of what was going on, then he ministered to them in helping take care of those needs. Well, we, I mean, we've all talked, you know, that Jesus came to break down barriers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the, the paralytics, you know, people that are paralyzed, there is a barrier that is preventing them to come to Jesus because we are told to come to Jesus. Mm-hmm. But if there is any obstacle preventing you from coming to Jesus, Jesus will come to you and then say, okay, now I've gotten rid of this obstacle. Now come with me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, he was very literal on a lot of those <laughs> obstacles, wasn't he? <laughs> but, I mean, I like to take, you know, these actual, I mean, they're written for, uh, for our spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. I mean, not just as historical things that happened, but there, we should be able to find a lesson in er, in everything he, Jesus did, and even in the Old Testament, all these stories of what happened, and now you know they're finding more and more uh, archaeological evidence that a lot of you know of all these instances, um, but okay, now it it gives me that gives me a. Um, a, a more solid basis. Okay, now that there's you know proof, if, if I was a non-believer, there's proof that you know uh, historically all these things were true. But then, as you start digging in and studying them, you know you see that there's lessons in all these mm-hmm. things for us to grow. All Scripture is given for the edification of the church. You know, so there there has to be not just a historical lesson, but a spiritual lesson to be learned from all these. So this paraplegic, this paralyzed person, okay, this one was a, was a physically paralyzed person, but we've all either experienced or known somebody that has something that is pre- preventing them, or at least in their mind preventing them mm-hmm. from... Uh, going to coming to Jesus to from accepting, and we have to follow Jesus' example on how to circumvent that barrier and say, you know, it might be something that's going to stop you, but Jesus is above and beyond, and He can tear down that and any other barrier yeah. to come. And you know, here's one thing I think is important too: is yes, Jesus was. Amongst the helpless, he was with those that were struggling. He was with those that were suffering from sin. But he never let himself fall into that. Right. You know, and that's, and that's what, as Christians, if we build our relationship with Christ and we allow the Holy Spirit to help us in these situations, that Holy Spirit is, is basically like that armor around us. It's that barrier that we can be in these situations, be with people that are struggling you know, and not allow ourselves to get into that same predicament, but be able to show, look, because of my relationship with God, because I have this foundation in Jesus that I've accepted Christ, that, you know, I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to work through me, that does have an effect on people. You know, they'll see that and they want to be just like that too. And it's a good way of being able to break down some of those barriers to, you know, put cracks in that wall that they're putting up and say, you have to go 
like you're saying, you know, go where they are, but not do what they do. Yeah. And, you know, and we've also talked about, you know, our, our past, you know, and there's that, that song, you know, all that I am, all that I have, you know, uh, so my, how can my past as horrible as it is be used for God's glory? Well, there's somebody that's where I used to be Mm -hmm. and you can say, you know, if you wish there's a way out, God always offers a way out and that, you know, he, we're never tempted above what we're able, and when we're tempted, God always provides an escape route. Yeah. So whatever situation you're in, you know, once again, there's your barrier that's pre- you think is preventing you. Uh, not we have a testimony. I've been where you are. Mm-hmm. If Jesus can pull me out, He can pull you out too. And I think that's one thing too is you know you look at a lot of these veteran organizations, for instance. Um, yeah, they do have civilians that work in these, you know, filling certain roles. But a lot of these organizations that have outreach to veterans are by other veterans because they understand the experiences. They know where these guys have been and say, look, you know, we're here to help you. We're here to help you move forward. You know, PTSD is a very big thing, especially, you know, for this past generation that, you know, grew up in the early 2000s because they've been to combat. You know, they've, they've experienced things, you know, roadside bombs, you know, IEDs, you know, being attacked numerous times in the middle of the night. You know, it's, it's a different type of generation that experienced something that, you know, nobody should really ever experience. Right. But, you know, when you have guys who've gone through it, you know, they do have their mental scars, but they're utilizing those mental scars to help others. You know, that's how we should be. You know, we're all sinners. We all have lived sin. We've all done it. We're, a lot of us are still, you know, struggling with sin. But the thing that we can do is we can use that as saying, look, I'm going through that same sin or I've gone through that same sin. You know, here, let me let me show you what, you know, my relationship with Christ has done for me. Right. And that that's that second paragraph there i mean we didn't read it but that's it, kind of what we're talking about the, you know the showing that sympathy yeah you know that's why in hebrews you know it says that jesus was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin that means there is nothing that i am tempted by that jesus cannot relate to he was he didn't fall for it but his he had the same propensity and so proclivity to sin that I have. Mm-hmm. So it, it, you know, every, the people that, you know, have questioned the nature of Christ. It's one of the reasons that that's a truth that is so vital to understand that, yes, he was divine, but he was also 100% human mm-hmm. is, you know, because the Bible tells us that God cannot be tempted, you know? Um, so Jesus had to have had my fallen nature in order to be tempted, yeah, which is why he, the term that he liked to use to identify himself was the Son of Man. You know, I came, I am God, but I've taken your nature to make God relatable to you, mm-hmm. and uh, so just because he didn't sin, he still makes himself relatable to reg- regardless of whatever sin you're struggling with. And, you know, what you're talking about with with the veterans associations, that's specifically why I joined the American Legion, you know, is to be a part of those um, Mm -hmm. uh, outreach programs to to reach other uh, veterans. And I've actually been able to testify and share witness in in a few cases, you know, where somebody is in a position and you, there's, you know, the veterans are all there and I've been able to talk and then share my experiences also. Uh, I didn't go to combat, but you know, or not overseas, but through my law enforcement experience and some other experiences that I've had in my life, I've been uh, diagnosed with PTSD also. And uh, so I can, I can relate to that situation. Yeah. And, you know, 
this leads into that third step, and I think this one, we've all heard actions speak louder than words. You know, that or don't just talk the talk, walk the walk. Right. You know, it's... So not what you say will do, but what you do will do. <laughs> I am starting to realize there are a lot of different phrases out that there. That all say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. But what we see here, though, and it, this goes back to the paralytics again. Right. It's the same thing. Jesus just didn't go and tell them, hey, you know, there is more to this world. There's more to, to life. You know, you can overcome. You know, he looked at what was preventing them from being able to make that next step. And he removed it. Right. You know, the paralytic not being able to walk or able to move. He took that burden away and said, okay, now what, what are you going to do? Now you don't have that in front of you. You don't have that holding you back. What are you going to do next? You know, and it's the same for us. You know, it's, you know, what can we do to help remove those barriers that are preventing somebody from taking that step towards Christ? Well, you look, I mean, you read in the Desire of Ages, you know, there was towns that Jesus passed through and it says there were no sick among them after he passed through. He healed everybody. But then you have the paralytic at the pool. Yeah. You know, it doesn't say that Jesus healed everybody at the pool. You know, yeah, he said, according to your faith, so be it unto you. You know, did everybody there, even though everybody there was afflicted, did everybody there ha- act on it? Or did they have the faith to believe that here was the, the solution to their problem? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I you know. Yeah, it's, uh, when you look at, People that are in a destructive, um, a destructive lifestyle, you know, they tend to be around people that are also in the same destructive lifestyle. Because if if you're in a situation where everybody's doing the right thing and you're the only one doing what is wrong, you're uncomfortable. You're uncomfortable, and that's what you know. We look at this the situation that you know we see here at this pool. Everybody was feeding off of each other because everybody was miserable. Right. Everybody was seeking something that, you know, they couldn't a- attain. It was like this cons or this idea that, you know, I'm not the problem. It's something else that's causing my own afflictions and, you know, it's not me. I'm I'm not holding myself back. And it was that kind of mentality that was there. That's the you know, the valley of dry bones. Yeah. Uh, well, that was my very first sermon talking about, you know, the Valley of Dry Bones. And, uh, you know, when everybody starts looking around at every, everybody else and seeing, <laughs> well, I'm not that bad. They're, I'm, in the, I'm just as good as they are. Yeah. And <laughs> when it says they were very dry, you know, well, stop comparing yourself to them. <laughs> you know, uh, obviously, you need a different basis of comparison. When we're when we compare ourselves to Jesus, then we see, you know, our true condition. And you know, and I think that is kind of the same as what you're talking about with these people at the pool, and they're like, ah, you know, or you know, when you're talking about your your social group, you know, nobody wants that one goody goody. You know, yeah. when we're gonna all all go do something that we know, uh, you know, might be uh, in a say a social gray area, you know, we're like oh, this, but we're not gonna invite this person because he's gonna make us feel bad about yeah. what we're doing. <laughs> but I think also too, you know, something that I think is also something that's very glaring in this situation is you look at all of those that were at that pool. You know, they were hoping for a miracle and a miracle literally walked in to the pool and they refused to look at it or accept it. You know, but one person from what we can tell did. Right. And that we're just not given the information. Maybe Jesus did heal other people there, but I mean, you'd have to say that once, you know, the paralytic, you know, got up and walked, you know, somebody else there didn't say, Hey, Wait a minute, <laughs> you know. It's like, what did I got to do to get to that situation, you know? Right. 
But, you know, that's how it is in a lot of these situations. It's, you know, a lot of people will look at, okay, everybody in that group is lost. We're not going to save them. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus looked at the group and said, okay, I know there's one. Let me go talk and have that one come forward. Well, our, just like in my prayer, you know, and we've talked about that, you know, I if I be lifted up, you know, our job is not to judge whether, you know, we're supposed to see everybody as a potential citizen of the kingdom and offer salvation. It's between them and the Holy Spirit whether they accept it or not. Yeah. Our job is not to judge. Our job is to be faithful in our calling. I think that's one of the hardest things, too, is for people not to judge. Right. And that I, I struggle with that all the time. You know, well, it's Otherwise, we wouldn't be told. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? Constantly. <laughs> judge not that you be not judged, for which what, with which judgment ye judge, ye shall also be judged. You know, so do when we have that mentality, you know, do it, are we th- thinking, well, what point, what position would I be in if God looked at me the same way? Yeah. I mean, that, that's a, that is a very honest uh, thought that you should have when you're judging somebody is if I am judging this person and God looks at me the same way I'm looking at this person, because that's part of, you know, forgiving our trespasses yeah. as we forgive those who trespass against us. You know, it doesn't have to mean somebody actually wronged you. It just, in your mind, is this person, are you putting this person at a lower level? And in that place, you've lowered your position to God. Yeah. And, you know, you're... Well, I think, too, you know, I really like I really like that saying, you know, judge not lest he be judged. Yep. You know, when you start judging other people, you're putting... And, and this is kind of a realization I just had, like, right now, too. So, <laughs> you know, based on what you just said, too, it's when you sit there and you start judging others, you're putting yourself in the position of God. Right. You know, that is God's job. That's his role in this whole universe is he is the one who is the final judgment. And when we start judging others, we're basically saying we're on the same playing field as God. I will put myself in the sides of the north i will be like the most high where yep. have we heard that before <laughs> huh, <I wonder. laughs> but you know this leads into that fourth step of their confidence right you know if you're administering to their needs you're not being judgmental they can see that you're doing this out of love sincerity sincerity you're honestly doing it for them not for yourself right which is key we're going to see that in, in a little bit too. It's you're doing it because, because righteousness, righteousness, because it's the right thing to do. They're going to be more open. Right. And that is, and that's not you doing it. Because when you go to, when you try to help somebody, they're always like, okay, what's this person trying? What does he want to get out of it? Yeah. You know, yeah. If I, I've stopped to help somebody say, change a tire or something on the side of the road. And then they're like, well, here's 20 bucks. Well, I didn't do it for 20 bucks. I did it because you were in need. You're in need. And I don't want your money. I don't need your money. <laughs> you know, yeah. you needed to get down the road. Uh, so it's, uh, and I'm not saying, I'm not trying to lift myself up. I'm not, I'm just saying that, you know, using that as a situation, uh, an example, you know, a couple weeks ago, you know, uh, my cousin was, on his way from Nebraska to Arizona, well, he was pulling a trailer. His trailer had a flat tire out by Theroux. Oh, yeah, we we talked about this. (laughs) Well, while he was trying, he pulled his van off the road, but it put his trailer at a position where he couldn't jack it up to change the tire. But while he was messing with that, he left his headlights on and drained his battery. Oh, no. <laughs> so then he couldn't start his van. And so he didn't know what else. He's like, I tried everything. I tried and before he called me because I live in Las Lunas, which is a long ways from Theroux, you yeah. know? And, uh, but I drove all the way out there. I helped him, you know, get everything and get him back on the road. And then I let him 
uh, borrow my jumper cables just in case he had any further issue and needed to jumpstart his van. Um, and then when I when he came back through, uh, we were having that meeting here. Uh, it was the first meeting of our um, uh, the layman's training that we had a couple of yeah. weeks ago. And I just went and met him right over here at the Flying J. So he could give me my jumper cables back, and he wanted to give me some money. Uh, but he didn't have any cash on him. And I was like, well, you know, I did, didn't do it. Uh, and I didn't do it just because you're family. I did it because, you know, you were in need. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, well, when I when mm-hmm. I get to Santa Fe, I can get to a bank and I can wire you some money. But I've only got like, you know, three-eighths of a tank of gas. I'm like, well, why don't I fill up your gas tank while I'm here? <laughs> you know? And it once again wasn't for any payback. It was just because he was in need at that moment. Yeah. There had been a um, – and I've been in the same situation where um, it was after hours, but there was a, a questionable charge on his account. So the fraud automatically locked him out of his account. That's why he you know, couldn't pull any cash out. Yep. So he had to wait until the next day until he could get to a branch – and um, get, you know, unlock his account. So I'm like, well, he's like, well, now I feel like I'm indebted to you. You're not indebted to me. You know, maybe one of these times you come through, you can buy me lunch or something, but I've, I'm doing it because God has blessed me, yeah. and I'm able at this moment to pass that blessing on to somebody else. Yeah, and it's, when you do that and you're doing it, sincerity you're doing it because you recognize the need you're doing it because you're not you're not expecting anything out of it you're doing it because it needs to be done it, what else am I going to do with the blessings that God has given me if I don't share that with, share them with somebody else I mean to me that just doesn't make sense just to try to you know to keep everything to myself and I've experienced you know, and the Bible talks about, you know, how can, you know, about basically filling a cup that's already full, mm-hmm. you know, once it's full, God stops pouring it in, you know, it's yep. got to, it's got <laughs> to overflow. And so, but I'm also not doing it to receive more blessings. That's just the way God works. Yeah. Just like I've said uh, that when I came to the real, realization of, who God is and what he offers. I determined for myself that if God is willing to wipe away my past and give me a fresh start to be a new creature, that the rest of the life that I have, I would give in service to God, even if eternity was not an option. Yeah. Out of gratefulness for just that restart to finish this life, I would rather give that what I have to God. And, um, but that's not good enough for God. You know, God's like, well, at that point, you know, you're not guilty of that stuff anymore. So you're not under the condemnation, but also you're my friend and I'm the source of life. So as long as you're with me, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I heard a, a, an evangelist say once, you know, when if you, when you walk through uh, a cemetery, you look at all the headstones. You know, there's two numbers and a dash. And that little dash is all you've got. Yep. What are you going to do with it? I choose to give my dash to God. <laughs> yeah. So you look at the. This is probably a tangent too. Yeah. <laughs> you look at the entirety of your life, you know, it, it's kind of it's humbling when you think about it. You know, your entire life, your life is in that dash. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like what impact are you going to leave behind? I I think I've told shared that poem with you uh, it's called Stepping Stones. It was out of a junior junior devotional when I was a kid. Yeah, I remember it, that. It says and for those I'm going to share it real quick cuz I think it's pertinent in this situation, I don't mean to interrupt. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh. Uh, but it's the, I have this 
certain things lock into my memory. I read it once, and it just never goes, and this poem was one of them. It's in a devotional called Stepping Stones. It's a junior devotional from, like, the 80s. And the poem in the front of the cover of the book says, Isn't it strange that princes and kings and clowns that caper in sawdust rings and common people like you and me are builders of eternity? Each is given uh, a, bu- a book of rules, a shapeless mass, and a bag of tools, and each must build ere life is flown a stumbling block or a stepping stone. It's very quiet right now. <laughs> <laughs> but that's exactly what yeah. you're you're just saying, you know, okay, God has given us the time, the character, the book of rules and, you know, but it's our choice. Yeah. Are we are we going to end up tripping somebody, holding somebody back or are we going to be that friend that will rip the roof off of a house to put somebody at Jesus' feet. Yeah, and it, it falls in that very last step, you know. When you're doing these things, and for, you know, just like that poem said, are you going to be a stumbling stu- or a stumbling, stumbling block, block or, or a step. stepping stone? You know, a stumbling block is going to hold you back. It's going to keep you right where you're at. Mm-hmm. But a stepping mm-hmm. stone is going to lead you to the very next stepping stone. And that's the next thing in here that we need to be able to do is but, we need to be able to lead. Right. And, you know. But you can't lead somebody to a place that you've never been. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it, it'll take you into places you don't want to go sometimes. It, but Well, I'm just saying you need to keep your personal relationship with Jesus strong because if you're not with Jesus, you're going to lead, you're going to be a stumbling block whether you are aware of it or not. Mm-hmm. Well, look at Pilgrim's Progress. I think it's a perfect example of that. You know, it throughout it, Christian's entire journey, he's, he kept being told, keep your eyes focused on, on the, the light. light. Just walk towards the light and you'll be fine. Don't go left. Don't go right. Just keep going straight. It's a straight and narrow path, but still stay in the middle of it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and you see so many times there are stumbling blocks in his way. And, you know, you have the swamp that stops him for a second. And then worldly wise men, worldly wise men. Then there's the um, the law. You know, that one still probably like the most interesting part of that. You know, it's legalism. And legalism. we've talked about that. Yeah. And you see throughout this entire thing, you know, the same message. Keep looking forward. Keep walking towards that light. You know, even after he gets to the gate, he thinks he's done. Right. But they're like, no, 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 you still have to keep going this straight. This is just <laughs> the beginning of the way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's such a... And I've never read Pilgrim's Progress. I actually, my wife found an animated movie of mm-hmm. Pilgrim's Progress, and that's what we watched a few times. And... You know, I'm sitting there in my mind thinking, okay, this uh, is... I have a dramatized version on an old iPod. Yeah. Now, <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, as soon as I find where I placed it, because um, I've told you that our pastor and I met when I was a kid in, in California. Yeah. Uh, his uh, his father, I think, was pastoring it up by um, the... Pacific Union College in Anglin, California. Well, we were living just at the bottom of the mountain, and every once in a while we would drive up. Well, there was a group up there that started recording this uh, uh, dramatized version of Pilgrim's Progress. So I actually know a lot of the voice characters that are that are doing the and he was like he was super excited that i had that that copy cuz he knew all those people also <laughs> so um but it'll plug into any apple and you'll be able to to download it so when i find it i think you and your kids will really enjoy it yeah i, I think it might be something we upload and it has too. both parts uh christian and christiana oh nice yeah so you know the the next two sections though i think kind of tie into to each other 
fairly well because we're seeing a lot of this right now in our world. You know, there's a lot of things happening. There's a lot of conflicts that are going on. So there's a lot of refugees and immigrants that are everywhere. Now, you see a lot of rhetoric going on, especially when it comes to immigrants, refugees. It's People are like, well, we don't want them here. We don't need them here. And I've heard it used not as a way of saying, hey, you know, we should be taking care of people. We should be helping them. Typically, I hear when they say, well, Jesus was an immigrant, it was to destroy the person they're arguing with, to kind of shut down their the discussion, saying, well, Jesus said, no, Jesus was an immigrant. Like, they're trying, they're not trying to use that as saying, look, even Jesus was an immigrant and needed help mm-hmm. at one point. You know, we should be hospitable just as much. And it's it's kind of like a sensitive topic, I think, for a lot of people because there are, there are people that are so far spread on the spectrum when it comes to, to immigration right now. But we're not here for politics. Right. That Let the politicians just figure that out. Let, let our state governments, our, you know, world governments, let them figure that out. Our job is to look beyond what that issue is, what caused the problem to begin with. What we need to be focused on is how do we help people? How do we help those that are in need? Because right. a lot of these people that are coming into several of these countries. They're not coming because... You know, hey, I'm there for, you know, just to have a better life or anything. They're coming because, you know, the place they left is either war-torn, <laughs> in poverty, they're struggling, they they need a new start, they need something that's better than what they were in, and we need to be hospitable. We need to show, hey, how can we help you? How can we provide you some some of the basic necessities you need to survive to get yourself started to get to get the ground under your feet? Basically, I'll be honest. This was a a, a difficult one for me, a difficult hurdle for me to get over. Uh, coming from a law enforcement background in you know here in the Southwest, um, because we would arrest somebody on on a violent charge. Immigration would uh, send them back, and then two weeks later, I would arrest the same person under a different name on another violent charge. And so I just saw this revolving door uh, for from illegal immigration, and I saw it from uh, a negative yeah. side. So this was some, you know, and there are both legal and illegal immigrants that are coming over um, with the, a need with, you know, and the, uh, a very specific need. And because of my experience, it's very difficult to look past what I've experienced to just see the need. Yeah. So, you know, I will, this is something that, you know, um, one of the areas that, I myself still need to work on. I'm better than I was, but I still, uh, this is something that I still, you know, need to be better at that I need to, I mean, now that I'm working commercial construction, I still deal with, you know, illegal immigrants, you know, here in doing construction work, doing jobs that most people don't want to do. Yeah. <clears throat> but I'm, you starting one like you just said, you know, let the, forget about the politics side of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not involved in that anymore. I don't have to deal with that anymore. <clears throat> See it as a personal and a personal need. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, by God's grace, is it's an area that I will continue to to grow in. And you know, it's definitely an area we all are trying to figure out. You know, it's, again, what is the need? Where are the needs? How can we help those needs? And that that's really what it comes down to. You know? <coughs> when we look at, even in the next section, about people that are hurting. You know, a lot of these people that are coming over the border, that are coming to our country, or going to another country, it's because they're hurting. You know, we look at 
what Jesus did for those that that are hurting. And a lot of times people in, in like the situation you said, you know, the revolving door situation, you know, people will abuse it. That's not for us to exactly to decide, if, you know, how that should be handled. What we need to be looking at is how do we administer? Well, actually, how do we minister the mission? How do we handle the mission? What's the, right. what's important that we're seeing that needs to be done. And that is, you know, doing the actions of Christ, loving, being sympathetic, being caring, listening, taking care of that person's needs, putting that person before yourself. And we see that throughout Christ's life, that he always put <coughs> the, the needs of the person he was ministering to before anything else and said, how do we fix this? How do we take this stumbling block and create a stepping stone? Right, we and we're always, as far as the you know talking about the mission, you know we're always talking about well, how do we bring how do we bring people in? How do we bring the people in? How do we bring the people in? If we do this, we don't have to bring the people in. How many times in the Gospels do you see Jesus looking for a, a multitude to, mi- to to preach to or to minister to? Yeah, never. They followed him wherever he went. People sought him. Right. So if we are truly doing this the way that Jesus did it, we're not going to have... Jesus said, I will draw all men unto me. All we have to do is show Jesus. You know, Point people so, in the direction. <laughs> so if we're, if we're doing this, and, th- and you know, this is a rebuke to all of us, you know, yeah. myself included... That if, if we were ministering the way Jesus ministered, that we would not have to try to bring people into the church. You know, it would. There'd be people would be, you know, it it would be just an influx because, you know, one person would come in and they would say, "Hey, these people are doing something that you don't see anywhere else." Yep, and. Somebody else is going to want to see, and then they're going to go tell four or five people, and they're going to come and see. And pretty soon, you're going to have the multitude. Yep. You know, uh, so it's it's not our job to bring the people, like you said. It's <laughs> Jesus will bring them. All we have to do is make sure that you know there's a path laid out that we're we're pointing. Right. We're we're those guys on the tarmac with the big sticks that are glowing. You know, we're pointing right. in that direction. You know, it's just. We don't have to pull them to Jesus. We don't have to push them to Jesus. We don't have to drive them to Jesus. We have to lift Jesus up, and he will draw them up. Exactly. But with that, you know, I hope you enjoyed this week's lesson. Um, It's definitely a tough one. But, you know, it's all we have to do is that remember we have the perfect example. We just need to follow it. Amen. But with that, I'll go ahead and close with prayer. Okay. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity, providing us the steps we need to take to be more like you, to lead people to you, and to to minister to the needs of those around us. Lord, we know that you put the needs of others before yourself, and we know that you have taken care of them, and you have given them the, need, the things they needed in their lives to remove the stumbling blocks, to remove the barriers in their lives that have prevented them from finding you. And Lord, we ask that you use us, that your Holy Spirit fill us, to be able to help in removing those barriers from the lives of those that we know so that they can be led to you. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We ask for forgiveness of our sins. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments about this week's lesson, please go to our podcast page on our website, threeangelssda.org slash podcast. That's the number three, angelssda.org slash podcast, and use the comments section. There, you can listen to any of the previous lessons as well as our other programs. Also, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Just search for ABQ Three Angels Podcast. (music) 